you said that you didn't really feel that you were so much of a singer as you were a storyteller. Do you really mm. feel that way? Um, yeah, I think that was only because people were talking about you know my actual technical ability as a vocalist, and I don't have a great. Uh, te I have no technique. You know, <laughs> I just sing the song the way I feel it should be sung, and that's it. And it's no, I'm no great acrobat. And I'm no no great technician, I just sing the song how I feel it should be sung. So really the thing that comes first really is the song, not not necessarily the way I sing it. If I tell you, if I tell you now Will you keep on, will you keep on loving me? If I tell you, if I tell you And welcome to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. In each episode, we'll dive into a little history of the artist and the album of choice, with snippets from interviews and concerts, as well as music from the album itself. On this week's episode, we're going to dive into Sade's second studio album, Promise, which came out in 1985. My name is Quentin. I've got my brother Travis with me. Travis, are you as stoked as I am to get into some Sade? Uh, yeah, this is this is one of those artists that uh, there's no way that we couldn't do an episode on Sade. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was just bound yeah. to happen. Yeah, and I don't want to get too far into it yet, but let's just say briefly, with Sade... She's one of those artists that, for us, it's, she's, there's just a, a huge amount of nostalgia for us when we listen to Sade. Um, our dad listened to Sade a lot when we were growing up. I remember a lot of weekend mornings waking up to the smell of our dad's pipe tobacco and the sound of Sade coming from his music room. So I don't know how many people our age really ever got into Sade. I don't know if, you know, if it was just because of our dad. I don't know if I would ever really have gotten into her if it wasn't for him, but... Probably a lot of people our age, if they are into Sade, it's because they're, you know, their their parents listen to her, you know. That's my guess, yeah. Because how else, how, how do you stumble upon Sade? You know, if, if you're somebody who likes uh, R&B, uh, you know, Sade is pretty iconic. In, in the R yeah, you might uh, you might find her yeah. on some playlists. I mean, you know, we're we're talking about in this day and age. You know, you might you might stumble upon her on a Spotify playlist or something, but you're not going to hear her on the radio. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't think she dude, I don't not, the radio, think, not, not the radio stations that we listened to growing up, but yeah, you'll probably hear her on you know some smooth jazz or some R and B radio right. station for sure. But I mean, right? Yeah. Let's just put it this way, dude. If you're somebody who who your main uh, taste in music is along like the rock and roll uh, vein, you know what I mean. If you grew up listening to rock and roll and and, and whatnot, listening to, to rock and roll radio stations and stuff, you may never have been exposed to Sade, you know. Right. And that's probably the, our main audience is people who who listen to rock and roll and metal. You know what I mean? So. 
Probably, and I hope so, man. I I hope we get some. I hope we turn some people on to Shot A, dude. Yeah, this is a this is a break from the usual artists that we cover on here, which you know it's nice to do every once in a while. So yeah, I'm excited. Um, this is uh this is something that we've uh, an artist like unlike we've ever covered before. So it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. I'm excited. Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited. Yeah. So let's uh real quick. Let's do our what you heard picks for the week, what we've been listening to lately. Uh, let's start with you this time, Trav. What you've been listening to, brother? Okay, so these guys just put out a new record today. And they have an interesting, sort of an interesting history. Uh, but they they formed in 2012 in, in Canada. And they originally called themselves Viet Cong. And their debut album was a self-titled album Viet Cong. They kind of have a Interpol vibe as far as like the vocal delivery is very monotone. Um, but they're also mixing a lot of kind of like a new wave that, that, that new wave punk sound from the eighties. Okay, cool. Yeah. Viet Cong is a great album. Check that out. If you, if, if you like, if you like this clip that I'm playing today, go back and check out their first album. Again, they were called Viet Cong, but they're called preoccupations now. They changed their name. And it's kind of interesting the history behind why they changed their name. So again, they started as Viet Cong and they had some controversy controversy over that name because um people kind of associated it with racism or cultural appropriation because of the names uh like tie in to the original, you know, Vietnamese Viet Cong. Right. So, in March 2015, they were set to perform at Oberlin College, in uh, which is like a liberal arts uh, college in Ohio, of all places. And uh, the show was canceled due to their offensive name. Damn. So, you know, whatever. In 2015, they changed it to Preoccupations, um, which is interesting because their next album was called Preoccupations. So it's almost like they did a reset, you know what I mean? Um, and, and they came out with a statement saying, you know, Hey, we just want to play music. We don't want to offend anybody. So we're changing our name. And that was the end of that. But anyway, um, again, they're kind of like a, uh, it's almost like a post punk meets like new wave punk from the eighties. It's very, really interesting sound. So anyway, uh, this song is called solace and it's off of their brand new album called new material which is kind of a cool name for it. It's called New cool. Material. Just came out. Uh, so here it is.
I liked that a lot, man. Dude, if you like that, you got to go back and listen uh, to it. Oh man, that was great. It, yeah, it's all it's all good, man. They're, they're, it's got like some said, like Tears for Fears vibes, that, right? And, that's what uh, I'm saying. Like Thompson Twins. Yeah, but but like, yeah that that's kind of like the the guitars and 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 the rhythms and stuff. But his singing right. is more in line with uh, we know with like the editors or Interpol or Black Party or something like that. But yeah, dude, they're they're awesome. All right, so Q, uh, what do you got for us? So um, this is a band called The Internet. I've heard of them. I've never really listened to them. So this is a band that's been around since 2011. They're based out of L.A. And there's a lot to say about these guys uh, and girl. They've kind of got this like community of good friends, uh, musicians that they that they just collaborate with. Um, so you've got The Internet. Uh, and at the same time, a lot of these members of these of this band will do have, have they've been starting to release their own solo material. And um, there's a really great All Songs Considered interview. Um, it was a conversation with Matt Martians and Sid. Sid is the lead singer of the Internet. Matt, Matt Martians uh, plays quite a few instruments in the band. We're going to I'll post a link to it on our on our show notes. It's a it's a really good conversation. Uh, basically. They all just support each other in their musical endeavors. You know, there's no like, uh, oh, you can't release a solo album now. We just released this new album for the internet. You can't do that. You know, like it's it's nothing like that. Yeah. Um, they're all very supportive of each other. So um, they're like a collective. They're like a collective, exactly. And uh, they're all pretty young. Uh, you know, early twenties or uh, there's even they've got a one of the members of the band. His name is Steve Lacey. He actually has this uh, little, I think it's like a five-track EP that he just released recently that's really good. He's a teenager, man. These are just really, really talented musicians for their age. Um, They're classified as trip-hop, soul, hip-hop, you know, R&B. What I like about the internet is a lot of what you're hearing is actual instruments you know like they like they're they're a full band it's not you know yeah they've got sampled and synthesized beats you know and instruments but everything that they play uh it's they're actually playing it with their instruments you know yeah Yeah, these guys are kind of on the on the forefront of of kind of what's to come in this genre of music and it, it was really hard for me to pick a song so sid who is the singer in the band she just released last year she she released her first solo album uh it's called finn and it's great it's she's just a really confident singer songwriter it, it kind of shines through in her lyrics um really really good album but i kind of wanted to play some of the stuff that she does with 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 the internet um just really soulful like sexy music you know her lyrics are always really like I mean, this this is like get down to business music. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do know what you're saying, Q. I do know what you're saying. Uh, so the song that I picked uh, from the internet, it's uh, on an album called Feel Good, which came out in 2013. And this track is called Don't Ya. See 
Yeah, man. I uh, yeah, I like that a lot. That's um. So is it the is it the same singer every time, or is that a difference? Is that a that you said that that's, her name was uh her name's Sid. That's what she goes uh, by. S Y D Sid. So yeah, that's she her. Sing, does she sing on every track? That yeah, that's her. I mean, she has other singers that'll sing along side her, but I think they do more like uh, backing vocals. I'm pretty sure that in all of the music that you hear with the internet, it is her singing as the lead singer. Yeah, but she does collaborate with a lot of other singers too in in a lot of her her songs. I say her, um, but really, you know, if you if you think back to that song, dude, like you listen to the the rhythm section, man, it's just insane. It well, that's what so I was gonna, good. Yeah, I was gonna say what I like about this this group is that I know that the music that I'm hearing is not just some studio band or or some no. like no, they're good friends group or something, you know. Yeah, it's great, man. Um, yeah, which is which, uh, you know, I think. I know why you picked this band as a tie into Sade because that's one of the main things about Sade and 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 the music that it, Sade is sometimes not only referring to Sade the singer but Sade the group because it's right it's not just her you know it's it's the backing group and and they are what make her her music so great a lot of times is 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 the rhythm section and and the saxophone player and yeah, when you search for Sade on Wikipedia, um, there's two separate entries: one for Sade the singer and one for Sade the band. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, Sa- yeah and, and same with the internet. It, you know, Sid's Sid's the one uh, singing, but but you know there there isn't a, there is no the internet without um, Matt Martians and Steve Lacey and the other guy the other guys that that play that, that play the instruments on the in the internet. Um, so anyways, let's get into some Sade, shall we? Let's do it. Uh, so her full name is Helen Falashade, and that's all one word, Falashade. Helen Falashade Adu. Uh, but she goes by Sade, and she was born in Nigeria. Her father was Nigerian, um, and her, her mother is British, and her parents split up when she was around four years old and they moved her mom, uh, moved her back to England, um, after her parents split. Uh, so she, most of her growing up was in a town, uh, just Northeast of London, uh, where her mother married a butcher. And apparently she grew up pretty damn poor with her mom and her stepdad. And, you know, early on in her, you know, young adult life, she, she had no intentions of being a singer. Uh, she actually, uh, got pretty serious about becoming a, uh, fashion designer. Uh, but then she moved to, she actually moved to London in her late teens, uh, to study fashion. Um, but, uh, at the same time, a friend of hers had a band, uh, called pride and they needed a new backup singer. And so she went into audition. Apparently, the band initially rejected her, only to hire her two weeks later when the band couldn't find anyone else more suitable. <laughs> Can you believe that, dude? As a as a backup singer. As a backup singer, they went back to her after they couldn't find anyone else. Do you think that to be a successful background singer, you shouldn't be a good lead? vocalist you know what i mean i feel like well, those are two act- separate t- 
talents. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah maybe maybe, maybe they're mean, like, hey, you're too good. We don't, you know. I don't know if it was that, dude, but, but I mean, it actually does co- kind of come around to that uh, in the end here. So okay. um, one of the members of Pride, saxophone player Stuart Matthewman, who actually goes on to be like Sade's main co-songwriter, uh, you know, one of the the main founding members of of the band Sade. Okay. Um, he was in the group Pride uh, with Sade. And the way he put it, uh, you know, talking about the band Pride, we weren't really good musicians. Uh, like we didn't come from a like a jazz background and we weren't musicians in college or anything. We just kind of picked up the instruments and just wanted to play some dance music. He says uh, Sade was one of the backing vocalists. And uh, me and her kind of vibed well with each other. We would kind of hang out, you know, outside of uh, band practice and all that. Listen to old jazz records and, uh, you know, artists like Marvin Gaye and Nina Simone. And they kind of just toured around with the idea of, you know, writing some of their own things. Uh, And so they were kind of, they kind of hung out outside of the band and just started writing their own music. Uh, Actually, before we get too much farther into it, I kind of want to just play a clip of a song from Pride. Okay. uh, The band that that she did a backing backing vocals was just to kind of show you what music they were playing uh in that group uh, so she so is on a, this track right she's recording oh yeah yeah okay. dude this yeah uh you can see it on my screen dude this is a music video um that was okay. made by bbc studios this was in a nightclub called heaven nightclub in london this uh is uh, a song called When You Can't Back Down. So again, this is the the band Pride. Uh, this is the band that Stuart Matthewman and Sade were in before they started their own group. Okay. Um, so we'll put, so we'll yeah. put this on the, uh, on the show notes page. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Yeah, so here's just a little clip of uh, that song. Again, this is called When You Can't Back Down. So I can see why this band just kind of got lost in the '80s music, you know? Yeah, they sound a lot like um, I don't know George uh, Michael or something like that. Yeah, there's, like a, there's nothing, there's nothing special about them. Yeah. So the story goes, uh, according to to Stuart Matthewman, um, you know, so so they were listening to you know just kind of hanging out, just becoming friends outside of the band. 
Um, he says, we would listen to, to music like Marvin Gaye and Nina Simone, Al Green, and we would say, you know, we should write st- some stuff of our own. Uh, so they started to, to kind of write their own tunes, uh, more just kind of jazzy stuff. Uh, and then what they ended up doing is they would they would kind of go on first as an opener for Pride. Um, they would do this little set. Uh, I think I think I had read somewhere else that it would it would be just Stewart on sax, uh, Sade, and like just a little rhythm section. Uh, and people in the audience, the way he put it, just had their mouths open with Sade. Uh, they hadn't seen any anyone like her really, and and they hadn't heard anything like it before. So basically, they they went on first before Pride and just stole the show. Interesting. And yeah. So again, so we just heard a, a song from Pride in 1982. And in 1983, Stuart and Sade and, you know, rhythm section. I don't know if it was uh, members of, of the band Sade at the time or if it was really just Sade and Stuart. Uh, but they released this four-track demo back in 1983 that... Took, so they had a band manager by that time, and he would he took the demo, um, that four-track demo, around to record companies, and pretty much every record label turned them down. Basically because this is 1983. Uh, I was going to say, man, this is... Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, these tracks are way too long, and they're too jazzy. Um, oh, yeah, that's the main thing, like, too too jazzy. There's a quote here from the, the, the band manager quoting, you know, basically quoting, like, kind of what they were saying. The record companies like, don't you know what's happening? Everything is electronic drums now. Tears for Fears, Depeche Mode. Basically, they're saying no. We we have no interest in music like this. Uh, don't you know what's happening? Like, have you been paying attention? Right. Um, right. They were pretty bummed out about it uh, because, uh, you know, they they were getting a good reaction from from people that would hear them play this music, and they kept getting turned down by these record labels. Um, so. Sade's boyfriend at the time, he was friends with um, some people that worked at this fashion magazine called The Face, which I guess we're too young to know anything about this fashion magazine because apparently it was considered that decade's quote-unquote style bible. So all the, all the lovely fashion designs from the 80s, it all goes back to this magazine. Like They were like the trendsetters, this magazine. So it was called The Face. You know, they would have interviews with musicians. And so it was like, you know, pop culture, music, art, fashion. And they had Sade on the cover of uh, one of their magazines in 1984. With the cover headline, Sade, The Face of 1984. Uh, and the magazine helped them book this gig uh at the institute of contemporary arts so it was co-sponsored by this magazine that sounds like a place that they would see some uh success institute of contemporary arts yeah so um one of the songs on this four track ep uh was called cry me a river and i've actually got a clip of this so so this was the uh, this was the show basically that finally got them attention. Uh, so I'm gonna play a little clip from this song. So there is a YouTube user by the name the original Sade drummer, all caps. 
This guy's a little salty. I'll just say it that way, dude. I'm, Do you uh, think he's uh, full of shit? N- no, I'm pretty sure this is the guy. Um, okay. His <laughs> his name is uh, Paul Cook, and he was he was the drummer on Shade's first album, Diamond Life. Um, and he was pretty. He was there at the beginning, you know. But yeah. While they were, when they were getting turned down by all these record labels, he was their drummer. And if you read his descriptions in these uh, YouTube videos that he posts, he's pretty he's pretty sour about it, dude. He's you know he's he's like uh, the drummer for the Beatles that came before Ringo Starr. I don't remember the guy's name, but you know what I mean, like or you fucked uh, up, dude. Dave Mustaine from Metallica. Yeah, exactly. Although, yeah, I'm guessing this guy didn't go on to form an equally or a, a somewhat successful band after drumming yeah, for Sade, I, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't know, dude. Honestly, there's not that much about him. I've, I've looked, I've, so I've now, tried to so look now, him. all we need to know is now he's just making YouTube videos. And, and exactly, being, uh, he's making YouTube videos under the name the original Sade drummer. Yeah, that's a. That's, <laughs> That's all we need to know about this. It's guy. sad, yeah, yeah. So here's here's uh, his description of this um, this recording that I'm about to play. Uh, so again, this was uh, early Sade with a song called "Cry Me a River." This was a uh, recording at the BBC Studios um, for this uh, this show called the Oxford Road Show. And uh, he goes on to say, he says, this was, as far as I'm concerned, one of the greatest performances from Sade of all time. Mm. Uh, and uh, the host of this show, Peter, Pow- Peter Powell, uh, quite rightly pointed out in Sade's first biography that I was more than a mere session drummer in the band. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, anyways, you know, yeah, it, it, it goes on forever. Um, I didn't, let's just say, I didn't even know that, that you could have a description that goes on for this long on YouTube without it being yeah. cut off. All right. Um, anyways, here's just a section of the song. I've got it like, this drummer better a, be really good, man. That's all I dude, can say. He's not, <laughs> he's mm-hmm. not dude. All he's doing is pretty much just hitting the ride symbol and keeping the beat. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah. It's but there, so there's a reason dude. he's, he, there's a reason he didn't go on to. Well, he goes on to say that, you know, he had a lot to, to do with, like, writing the song. Anyways, dude, it's all anecdotal. I'm just taking this dude's word for it. Uh, yeah. But this, so this clip comes in, like, just a little bit before halfway through the song. And um, what I like about it, it is really, really jazzy. Like, we're talking, like, like speakeasies, like 1930s, yeah. like, super jazzy, soulful stuff. And where um, is this on the timeline as far as, like, this is this is their first album? No, no, no. This is no. this is this is a song from that demo. Okay, from so that four before, track this demo. This is before Smooth Operator and all that stuff. This is before Diamond Life, their first okay. big studio album. Yeah. So again, this is called "Cry Me a River," um, and this is a performance that they did for BBC Studios in 1982. You drove me, nearly drove me. Out of my head Why you never share a deal Remember, I remember All that you said Told me love was too plebeian Told me you were through with me 
Yeah, I mean, it just sounds like um, you can just see like the cigarette smoke and like the exactly. jazzy nightclub kind of vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's no wonder that record labels weren't interested in that at all. You know? No. Right, and that that does make sense. Yeah, uh, because when you listen to her first full length studio album, Diamond Life, uh, when you listen to Promise, her second studio album, the one that we're covering today. There's just so much more to it, you know? Like, they've they've got this awesome fusion of, like, pop, jazz, and, you know, Latin influences and funk. Just so much right. going on. Um, yeah, that right. song is pretty... It's pretty standard. And like that, you know, like that... Like those uh, record executives are saying, like, do you... Have you been paying attention to what's going on? Like, this is 1983 or whatever. Uh, it's all electronic. That's another thing too. Like she was equally surprised at their success. Um, right. You know, like they, she didn't, she didn't think it would happen. <laughs> so uh, one last thing I'll say about their early stuff. Um, so on uh, on their first studio album, Diamond Life, their versions of Your Love Is King and Smooth Operator, a few of the singles on that album, they are exactly the way that they were on that demo they didn't remix them or remaster them that's fucking impressive dude so the same four track demo that that all these record labels were turning them them down those versions of those two songs are the exact same thing that end up on that final release for diamond life yeah and i think smooth operator is probably her most well-known track one of her most well-known tracks too um yeah so uh i don't have too much about you know i don't have too much information on promise itself um the the album that we're covering today uh but i will say that one thing that's pretty that is pretty cool uh, that i learned about the recording of this album um they had it set up to where pretty much they, they they had it they had the studio set up to to where it was pretty much a live recording you know so they had all the instruments in one room um and so Sade would uh, lay down these guide vocals, is how they put it, in the studio with the bands while they played live, and then she would later go back and re-record uh, different parts, like in a separate like control room for her vocals. But basically, they would all just play, um, you know, the rhythm section, the piano, bass, and uh, all that. They all played those tracks live together, and and a lot of times it would end up being. They would end up kind of improvising or, you know, kind of doing something like kind of more 
experimentation kind of where they would kind of play something like, oh, yeah, that kind of works. Let's try this, you know, and then they would do another take and do something different. But they were all playing together live, which I thought was cool. There's actually a really cool um, diagram, I guess, or, or a layout of, of the studio itself um, on this really cool, really in-depth like it gets super nerdy. Like I don't understand half this stuff because I'm not a f- um, audio engineer. Uh, but there's this article on um, this website called Sound on Sound, where they interviewed the producer of the album uh, and the engineer. His name's Mike Pela Pela or Pela Pela, um, and it gets pretty deep into it. So if you're interested in in a little bit more about um, the recording process of this album specifically of the track sweetest taboo uh which uh in our intro clip for this episode we played a little bit of it it's one of her singles um this is actually specifically about this track but you know a lot of it, it there were quite a few tracks on this album that were recorded in this studio so we'll uh post a link to it on our show notes but uh let's get into our picks for this album um, the first one we're going to do is track three. It's called War of the Hearts. Um, I picked this song just because I, I love the lyrics, dude. Uh, I love the imagery. Um, this is, again, track three on the album. Uh, I've got a couple clips to share. Um, I'll start with the first one. That It's just the beginning of the song. things that draws me to Sade it's just like these little subtle changes or like you know she'll place like an emphasis on one word or phrase you know in, in a verse that just 
really kind of like, do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. It's just like kind of what we were saying about what, um, Feist brought to those Kings of Convenience tracks, um, on uh, ride on an empty street, you know? Um, it's just that, how's, how, how she's saying the verse multiple, the same this, verse over and over yeah, again. Change yeah. Yeah. Subtle differences yeah. there. Yeah. Um, for me, this song is all about the lyrics, dude. I love it. I think it's about a couple that is kind of just keeping this relationship going. Just kind of like she says, like, let's end this masquerade. Like we're only staying together, you know, keeping up appearances basically. And, you know, there's this, uh, you know, metaphor of like an argument that they're having, you know, where they're going back and forth. Like she's talking about it. Like it's like, she's got a, a loaded gun you know she says i'm loaded i don't know where to point this thing i the way i see it is like i've had you know one too many drinks i'm really pissed off and i'm just basically firing off these insults and whatnot to you you know uh it's a sin how we hit where it hurts uh one of us must end this masquerade let's heal these wounds that we've made, you know, basically like, let's just end this, you know, we're not in this for love. We're not in this for any other reason other than to just keep up our appearances. You know, I love it. Yeah. I feel like a lot of her lyrics are, are about, um, you know, heartache and, uh, difficult relationships and, or just, there is a lot of that, you know, romance in general, but yeah, it's a, there's a lot of metaphors in her, her, uh, her lyrics, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Let's listen to clip two. Um, this just something, like you said, like, you know, one of the reasons you like Sade, you know, this clip isn't going to be that much different sounding, but again, like it, it's like, it's the way that she emphasizes things differently. It's just the way that she sings, um, these lines throughout each track, um, that's so enjoyable. So here's clip two from War of the Hearts. Um, it's towards the end of the song. that guitar i was gonna say that yeah simple yeah guitar so this at the end there. this clip kind of shows what the other musicians bring to the table you know um it's got yeah. just a little hint of what Stuart matthewman does with his saxophone dude he's such a good saxophone player like the thing that i love about what he does it's all so simple but so effective what he brings to these songs 
that to me is just yeah. the, the mark of a of a talented musician you know like man i've always been drawn to the saxophone man whatever a good saxophone and you know what's kind of funny about the 80s was a like a sa- saxophones were used in pop songs yeah know, but not in a good way like yeah. you know, there's the there's kind of the the internet oh and you think about like you know um man what's that song what's what, what uh someone's watching me oh who can it be now who can it be I, now uh, men without hats yeah uh, uh, minute work. Minute work, not men without hats. <laughs> That's yeah, so yeah, funny work, yeah. that those two bands existed at the same time. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, there was a lot of saxophones in the '80s. Yeah, and it was cheesy. But there wasn't. But but it was. But they were. You know, it was on pop songs, not on like right. jazz songs. So like, here comes Sade, and they're doing jazz. You know what I mean? And they're like, we don't, we don't want that jazz here. Yeah, that is funny. But the man. saxophone that... was very much a part of like '80s '80s. Uh, pop music um but yeah uh again with these lyrics there's some you know a little little subtle um you know some new lines that 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 pop up at the end here that i really like she says you know if you want to end it just say like like we're not we're not in love anymore like why are we still together just if you want to end this just say it like you know i love it war of the hearts track three um, you want to jump just right into the second pick? Yeah, man, let's do it. Let's do it, man. There's nothing else. We got nothing else going. Um, so I know you really liked this track too. Um, and it's not track two, it's track six. You know what I'm saying? Uh, this is called Mr. Wrong. Um, I love this song, dude. This is about a girl that is staying with a, with a guy that's just an a-hole basically. Right. I mean, uh, I think it's pretty much from the perspective of a friend who is, uh, you know, kind of worried about about this friend of hers that's with this guy that she knows is not good for her. Um, so yeah, let's just. I've got a couple clips to play. Here is clip one from track six. It's called Mister Wrong. Ba, 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 da, do, do. Ba, da, ba, ba. Damn, dude, this is such a perfect example of how perfectly the um, the band and Sade uh, played off each other. Because like she's doing that kind of like scat kind of stuff at the beginning, like in the intro. yeah. And and as soon as she switches to the verse, the bass picks up picks up the exact uh, melody that she was doing yeah. in that scat. Like play that again, dude. Play the intro again. Ba, 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 da, doo, doo. Ba, da, ba, 
You see what I mean, dude? Oh yeah. Ba-dum, yeah, it's great. Perfect. It's great. And it's yeah, it's got uh, those um, you know, bongo section, you know, that's got that Latin influence there. Really good. Really really cool rhythms too. Um Yeah, this song's great. But yeah, again, dude, like you know, how often do you hear a successful like scat, you know what I mean? Right. Get pulled off in a song. You know what I mean? Like Right. But she does it perfectly. And like that's again, it's like just like a jazz, such a like classic jazz thing to do, you know what I mean? From like a jazz song from the twenties or thirties, you know? Yeah. But I feel like that's just kind of how it is with like all those record labels that turn them down, you know, like there's always those bands that just kind of find like they, they're like a wedge and they just kind of insert themselves into like whatever's going on at the time you know what i mean and like find success yeah. i feel like steely dan was one of those bands you know what i mean they had a lot of jazz influence and and, and whatnot and they had huge success in the 70s and 80s you know yeah there was a cool uh i've got this is really cool quote from the new york times um back in the 80s where they, they so they describe Sade, the band, as a funkified extension of Steely Dan's groundbreaking rock jazz. Extension, yeah, exactly. Right. They're in the same, like, as far as, like, when you think of jazz fusion-type bands that, that found huge success, you know, like, Steely Dan is, like, the go-to, but, like, Sade, you know, in the same vein, as far as, like, yeah. they found success amongst, like, poppy, you know, I could see Steely Dan is... A lot, you know. There's a lot of rock in Steely Dan, yeah. and there's a lot of rock going on in the '70s. That's the, you know, the decade of like some of the best rock ever, you know. But w- with Sade, it's like she was way out out there as far as like what was popular at the time. You know what I mean? So I think that's 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 more, uh, you know, says more about like how how um, how incredible they were that they were able to to find success in the '80s. You know? Yeah. One thing too that I thought that was really cool. Um, back when they first started uh most of the labels wanted to send her to the u.s uh to work with big name producers like quincy jones quincy jones of course did a bunch of uh the production for michael jackson's a lot of michael jackson's albums um but she already at that time had a clear vision of exactly what she wanted to do um so instead of taking the biggest offer she took the deal that allowed her to finish what she started um and that's where she says you know these versions of Your Love is King and Smooth Operator are exactly the way that they were when with our demo. Um, you know, so she, she knew, like, no, I don't want to change our sound. And she she worried that if she, you know, hopped over to the U.S. and started working with, with these big-name producers that they would have a, an influence on, on their sound that she didn't want. So from the beginning, too, and when you listen to, to interviews with Sade, like, she was very humble. She didn't. Uh, you know, like, I mean, like she said, like from the beginning, she didn't approach it, you know, with the thought that she was going to be a huge singer. Like she never, she never thought of it that way. So uh, she had a more unorthodox approach to her singing. She just kind of, it was almost by accident, you know? So uh, let's play clip two from Mr. Wrong. Um, This, I believe plays out to the end of the song. Um, so yeah, again, this is track six from Promise. This song is called Mr. Wrong. Wrong 
The baseline is killer, man. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say I love how it ends, man. Like how yeah. they just kind of they bring back that scat, you know, and they all just kind of play off each other at the end. Even even Stewart jumps in a little bit with the saxophone there at the end. Yeah, and that doesn't get any better than that baseline, man. I love that baseline. Yeah, that's the yeah, honestly, dude. That's that's one of the main draws for me to to Mister Wrong is that baseline. Yeah. All right, so our last pick for Promise is going to be track 10, Tar Baby. And um, yeah, let's just play clip one, shall we? So Travis, you chose this song for for the last one uh, for us to do. Uh, what is it about it that you like so much? I actually like the um, when it gets into the chorus. I like the the change, which I and I purposely left that out of the first clip. Um, yeah, because it's it, it, it's it's a change. Yeah, in like the uh, kind of the the vibe. It kind of gets and... yeah, it kind of gets more uplifting sounding. Um, I do like that saxophone, of course, in that in that first clip. Um, so Tar Baby is about, according to this New York Times article that came out in 85, it's a quiet but ecstatic celebration of birth. Doesn't really say much else. Um, let's read the lyrics, dude. Let's dive into it. Grandma came to see something she could not believe. How could her girl be so naive? Uh, Tar Baby, Tar Baby told the secret she conceived. Sounds like an accidental pregnancy. Maybe. So here's a so here's a uh, an article on this uh, music blog called Soul Tracks. This article came out in in June of 2015. This guy says I have yet to fully decipher this song, and for some reason I'm in absolutely no rush to do so. I presume that this song has something to do with Sade's multicultural, multi-ethnic, ethnic heritage and upbringing. Right. Uh, in my interpretation of the song, I see Sade's white mother or white grandmother, who played a critical role in her childhood, initially hesitantly but eventually helplessly falling in love with her brown tar baby or the singer Sade. I find the song to be intimately beautiful. Interesting. I like that. You know, the reason that I figured that this, this song uh, tied into her race was because of, because of her... her mixed uh you know ethnic background yeah yeah so so it seems like you know all that all the you know the bitter feelings and everything just get washed away as soon as as soon as she sees the baby you know and holds her in her arms like a brand new blade you cut into my life cut through two decades like a hot coal on ice it's definitely up for interpretation yeah so let's get into clip two um 
this is this is the part of the song that that we both really like um so yeah let's let's see how it turns out here's clip number two Is that the end of the song? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, the, the change in like uh, change in tempo, change in overall vibe is obviously in line with the lyrics. You know, she's talking about yeah. how she sees the baby and oh, it's, you know, a golden thread inside of the web that I got caught in. Um, yeah. It's almost like so this, you know, this situation that, you know, I, of course, went into it thinking, you know, this is this is going to be terrible, you know. Uh, like you know, any accidental pregnancy, you have all these fears of yeah. what could go wrong. Um, sure. Yeah, you've got this golden thread, this beautiful baby. Yeah, it just has an, it has a really great uplifting turn. I, re- I really like it. The, another song that I thought about doing uh, is the final track on the album called Marine, uh, which is another really pretty song about uh, a friend of Shade's uh, that she lost. You know that she died uh, unexpectedly. With that knowledge, when you listen to that song, it's it is another one of those very more upbeat, happy sounding songs. So it's it's kind of like a tribute to her friend. Um, so definitely that that's a, a song I definitely recommend checking out. Um, did we did we touch on the all, the singles on this album at all? Which which ones uh, ended no, up being singles? Yeah, let's let's run through. No, let's quick. talk about those. So it's it's is it a crime? The sweetest taboo. And never as good as the first time. Yeah, yeah. the The sweetest taboo is is one of the songs I remember hearing as a kid. Sweetest taboo um, and smooth operator, and smooth operator. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, but and 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 your love is king too. That's another one. the The saxophone that opens uh, your love is king. Oh, it's so is good. Fucking awesome. Man. There's something about the uh, the melodies that. That that her back that now what, what's the name of the saxophone player? His name's Stuart Matthewman. Yeah, so there's there's something about the um, his saxophone riffs and her singing. Yeah, it's just a lot of times it's like a it's like a warm blanket, man. I don't know what it is about it, but like it's just so smooth and warm. There's something warm about it. Yeah, some of the songs, not not all of them, obviously, but yeah. And I, I just want to say this and, real quick because uh, I just don't agree with it at all. But I read a, a few kind of negative. Um, reviews uh, on on Shade's voice. A few people had said the only reason that that these albums were doing so well it's not because of Shade's voice it's because she has such a phenomenal band backing her up that you don't notice her um, 
you don't notice that she's not a, a phenomenal singer. I mean, I disagree. All right, here, here's how we counter that bullshit. Uh, we're gonna put a link to um. There, there's a recording, a live video of her performing "Is It a Crime?" Yes, in I think San, either San Diego or San Francisco. I watched it, dude. Uh, I watched well, it. It's, it is. Oh my god, dude. unbelievable! N- nobody can, nobody can say that she's a, a a bad vocalist if you watch. I watched that. another one, dude. I'll, I'll send it to you. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, um, we'll we'll put we'll put one or both of those in the show notes just yeah. so you can kind of see because it's also you know as with. You know, if you're a good band or a or a good performer, your live performance should be better than the recording. You know what I mean? And this is, uh, you know, she, this, th- these performances are certainly an example of that. And you have to, yeah. And you know, and that goes back to what she said in that interview uh, that we started the, the podcast off with. You know, it's it's not, uh, you know, the song comes first, and it's not necessarily. Uh, she cares more about about the song itself and the story that it tells over you know uh, how she sings it. So um, you're gonna have to edit out the sound of my cat. Uh, I might leave her in right she's, into my lap. She's got an opinion here. You know, it's been a while valid. since one of our cats joined in. She, so, dude, she must really like Shadé mm, or hate it. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it might be. Um, all right, so that's gonna do it for this episode. Uh, this was our, our take on Sade's dude, uh, you know, and as usual, we just barely scratched the surface, you know, there's really, yeah. uh, I don't think we, 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 we did justice, you know? So, um, I recommend, you know, so if, if you really enjoyed this episode, if you really liked uh, what you heard, uh, I definitely recommend going back and listening to her debut or their debut album, uh, diamond life, which came out a year before promise in 1984, um, but so I, I listened to, uh, her first three albums, um, yesterday or a, co- a couple days ago, um, Diamond Life Promise and her third, I keep saying her, their, their third studio album, Stronger Than Pride, which came out, um, in 1988. That one's got Love is Stronger Than Pride and, uh, Paradise as well, which is uh, another song that I didn't realize I knew until I heard it. Um, man, it's good, dude. It's a really Paradise good... is a great song. Yeah, man. yeah. Stronger Than Pride is, out of the three, I enjoyed the most. Uh, there's some really cool instrumental tracks on Stronger Than Pride. It's more... I'd say it's more in, in almost like the drum and bass category. Not in the electronic sense of drum and bass, but... It's more heavy on the instrumental elements, uh, you know. It, it, it highlights her backing band more. It's it's really what cool. What track is that? I'm just saying in general. Uh, there's a few tracks oh. on there where, yeah, you know, there's a, yeah. a good minute or two of just, uh, just instrumental. Um, so she kind of lets her lets her band shine in this one. It's good. I and uh, of course, Love Deluxe, which is her fourth studio album. Has no ordinary love on there, um, mm-hmm. man. So so many good songs, dude. I didn't actually dive into Love Deluxe yet. I haven't listened to that album all the way through. Cherish the day is a great album, dude. A great song. Cherish the day, dude. Oh yeah, great song. Yeah. The the uh, the intro uh, rhythm and like beat that starts that song yeah. is killer. Yeah. So anyways, killer. we're nerding out here. No one knows what the hell we're talking about. Probably. Kiss of Life is a great song. Yeah. Man. Yeah. 
Oh, shit. Okay, Kiss of Life is one of those songs that uh, I talked about earlier when I said that there's something about the way that, that, that they approach melodies that's yeah. like this kind of like a warm blanket. Just listen to Kiss of Life, man, and just get be prepared to to embrace that 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 warmth. Man. Get that cat Fuck out of your lap, son. Like, Dude, I'm not going to kick her out of my lap. <laughs> All right. I, I, okay. All right, so... What is up next, friend? What are we gonna? What's our next full episode gonna be on? This is okay. So we're coming up on episode ten. That's our next episode. If you count the sidetrack episodes, it's episode nineteen, but it's it's our tenth full length episode. Um, it's so a we, milestone of sorts. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So we decided. Um, I don't know if we've if we've teased this before, but uh, it's obvious. That we are huge fans of Spoon. Yeah, we've brought them uh, up a few times already. Uh, yeah, a few times. So we are going to begin our deep dive into their first four albums. Uh, so that starts with a series of Snakes, which I believe came out in 96. Am I wrong about that? Yeah, I'm not sure, dude. Let's find out together, shall we? 98. Okay. Came out in 98. So we're going to do, uh, basically it's going to go a series of sneaks. Basically every other episode from now until we hit... Gimme Fiction? Yeah, so basically it'll be Spoon, and then a sidetrack, and then another album, and then Spoon again. So we'll try to space them out a little bit, but um, you will have a Spoon album review... Um, once a month. Once a month, yeah. Yeah, I can't uh, wait, dude. This is when yeah. we're going to nerd out hardcore. Yeah, by, by far and away, Spoon has always been my favorite. Like, you know, people ask, hey, what's your favorite band? And it's always hard for me to answer the question. But if I if I had to pick one, it would, I would I would have to say Spoon. Well, yeah, um, I was going to say, it, that's a hard... Okay, it's, it's hard to name a top five, but yeah. it, Spoon is number one for me always and forever. Yeah, when it, when it comes down to it, it, you know, you just say Spoon, man, because... So obviously we're twins and we we agree on who our favorite band is, which is kind of funny. Well, but that's because um, yeah, that's because we grew up with Spoon. I mean, when I say grew up, I mean like no, I, mean, I think that's re- true. When we really got into music independently, you know, independent of what our parents were listening to or what our older brother was listening to, I feel like Spoon was really the first band that we truly latched onto. You know. Um, all right, so to close this episode out, I'm going to play one of my favorite Marvin Gaye songs. Uh, so if you remember, Sade and Stewart uh, became friends when they were in the band Pride, and uh, they would listen to artists like Al Green and Marvin Gaye, Nina Simone, um, and these artists uh, influenced them to kind of start doing their own thing and that's you know that's what led to Sade and and Stuart forming forming the band Sade so my favorite Marvin Gaye album uh is called I Want You which this fucking blew my mind dude uh this is his 14th studio album good lord and it came out when uh 1976 Damn. I, I know, dude. So It came out in the 70s and it was his 14th Yeah, album? so the first uh, full-length 
Marvin Gaye album came out in 1961. It was called The Soulful Moods of Marvin Gaye. Hmm. And it looks like he released, basically he released multiple albums between 1961 and 1976. Obviously, I mean, that's only, that's okay, that's what, 15 years? Yeah, dude, he was quite prolific. Yeah. Um, but anyways, this album's great. There's a lot of really, I mean, it's a, it's a get down to business album for sure. Um, okay. Yeah. So this song is, it's just a little, it's almost like a, it's almost like a, a little outro song for side A. Uh, if you listen to it on vinyl, this is, uh, the last track on side A. It's just over a minute long. And really, there's not much to it, so I'm going to play the whole song. Uh, but there's just there's something that happens in it that that you'll know, you'll know. I, it's it's my favorite Marvin Gaye moment, I think. Um, so this is track five off of Marvin Gaye's 14th studio album, "I Want You," which again came out in March of 1976. Uh, this song is called "I Want to Be Where You Are," and that's going to do it for us this week. Check back next Sunday for our sidetrack. And you can find us on nofillerpodcast.com where you can listen to the episodes, uh, read the show notes. Uh, Of course, you can also hear us on iTunes or SoundCloud. Just look for No Filler Podcast. And that's it. Yeah, thanks again for listening. My name's Quentin. My name is Travis. I want to be Good night, little Frankie. Nona. Night, little mom. I love you all. I'll always love you, Jesus. I want to be where you are. Ah, I've got to be. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett. 
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at fantasy points. Fantasypoints.com code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 